The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Again, to it came from the radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Martor, speaking. With me once again, as will probably be for quite some time via social distancing, is none other than the life with Jenner G's, Jen Elise Feldy. Hi, guys, from a distance. On uh, this week's show, we have our uh, Pronto Comics Dominic Definition Mansprano with his comic pick of the week, and we also have another Jaybird and Lee segment. But before we do any of that, let's take it away with the news. News is brought to you in part by the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Um, they're still planning on having a convention eventually when the apocalypse ends, so keep your eye on that website for more information. And we also want to give a shout-out to our Patreons, of which there are... Danny Grill, award-winning director Jerry Burrell, two-sentence horror, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Orangey Kun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and The Huracan, which is a convention in a church. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com, look up here from Radio in the search bar, and for a dollar, you can get your own little shout-out. So let's take it away with the news, because we have a lot of news to cover. Once again, tons of sad news. Want more deaths, more cancel culture. My favorite. <laughs> it's, it's, it seems to be a, a, a recurring trend of how things are just going down the rabbit hole. Just cancel culture. Cancel every culture. <laughs> cancel every culture. Cancel everything, and maybe everyone will be happy. Maybe they'll please somebody. So make it all blank slates of nothingness. Every single culture, cancel it. Women, cancel. Men, cancel. Judaism, cancel. Cancel, cancel, cancel. Right, so we're all going to be uh, just, uh, what is it, eunuchs? Is that, is that the term? Amorphous eunuchs. Yes. Starting from ground zero. Is that offensive, ground zero? I mentioned ground zero. Am I going to get banned? Yes, you're, you're, you're off the show now. That's it. You're, you're offended, you offended everybody. But remember, the views of the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those the management owners or staff of the show. That's right. Uh, so let's see. Start off with some sad news. All right. So we have comic book artist Joseph Leonard Sinat, or Joe Sinat. Uh, he died recently as of this recording, which is uh, July 2nd. Uh, no cause of death has been released. Working primarily as an anchor, Joe is perhaps best known for his 69 years at Marvel Comics. <laughs> Working on virtually every major title at one point or another during that time. Uh, to shake things up a bit, so doing research, I um, found I remembered that we had talked about Joe before. So what we're going to do is we're going to have our editor, who's listening in the future, splice in our news segment from our April twenty second nineteenth show, where we discuss Joe and his retirement from inking on this week's show right now. 
from the I'm Only Retiring department, oh. legendary Marvel Comics artist Joe Sinat uh, announced his retirement from comics with the release of his final Sunday edition of the Amazing Spider-Man comic strip, which has been uh, being in- inked by Joe since 1992 in the newspapers. Yeah. Uh, Joe says, <clears throat> Today we honor Spidey with the final Sunday Spider-Man strip. Thanks, Stan, for all the great memories. Enough said. Um, In addition to his steady work on the strip, Joe, at 92 years old, has worked for Marvel Comics for 69 years, working on such titles as Fantastic Four, Thor, Captain America, and The Avengers, just to name a few. In 2007, none other than Stan Lee had this to say about Joe in an interview. Uh, He says... Pencilers used to hurl all sorts of dire threats at me, and I didn't make certain that Joe, and only Joe, inked <laughs> their pages. I knew I couldn't satisfy everyone, and I had to save the very most important strips for him. To oh. most pencilers, having Joe Sinat ink their work was tantamount to grabbing the brass ring. So, Joe, enjoy your retirement. Well, he can die peacefully, because at least he got to mention our, our show. So yeah, so um, so that was uh, we talked about him, and uh, it was really you know it's he was an amazing anchor, a great artist, and it is uh, sad that that uh, he passed away, and he was a a spry ninety three. You know, it's good news because ninety three it's all downhill. So I'd say he got out at the top. So I'd say this is good news. <laughs> wait, so wait, at what point does the does it start to go downhill? If ninety three is already downhill, where's where's 93, the start? Ninety three, he peaked. Oh, right there. Peaked. Yeah, 93 is the peak, and it's all downhill, so it's good news. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, so this guy, so the next one is before the peak. So we have more sad news. That's sad, that's sad. Um, graphic designer Milton Glazer also died recently from renal failure. Uh, Milton's artwork has been featured in exhibits and placed in permanent collections in many museums worldwide. His most notable works would that be of the Stony Brook University logo in Long Island, uh, the DC Comics logo from 1997 to 2005, and of course the I Heart New York logo to promote, to promote tourism in 1977 and is still in use today. Maybe they should stop using it because New York's not doing so well, right? I wonder if he would still make that logo today. Maybe the logo today would say, avoid New York. I avoid New York. I avoid New York. You avoid New York. <laughs> and we, I you avoid New York. It doesn't really have the ring, but... <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually kind of funny. You know, people who live here would probably more be in favor with that than the actual I heart New York. Exactly. Um, I no- heart New York. <laughs> I fart New York. That's that's more accurate. That's a whole different. That's 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 only for Staten Island. <laughs> mm, okay, well I'm doing a show in Staten Island, so I'm not. I'm not gonna bash them too hard. Although I don't care, they can try to cancel me too. I really don't care. I'm gonna say whatever I want. They want to get me off the show and remove me as a host. That's on them. Um, of note. In 2004, Milton won the National Designer Award, the National Designer Award Lifetime Achievement from the Copper Hewlett National Design Museum. And in 2009, he was awarded the National Medal of Arts by President Obama at the White House, making him the first graphic designer ever to receive this award. And sadly, he had just turned 91 on the same day he died. So happy birthday, and then he died before he reached the peak of 93. And the birthday gift to himself was his own death. That's, I, you know, I always find that that's, that's like, in my opinion, the worst day to die is, the day, is, is your birthday. 
Or he's like, you know, I had enough of this. So I'm going to give myself a birthday gift, and we're going to go out with a bang. Or, or without a bang, if he was celibate. <laughs> that was terrible. And you know what? You don't hear about any Miltons nowadays until now. So I'm glad that we brought this back into the rhetoric in 2020. Got <laughs> and Leonard's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, moving on. You know, I don't know why. I always You always make me laugh during the sad news. <laughs> Life is, but it's someone on my Facebook wrote something that I'm always able to find the positive in a situation regarding the Epstein situation. I also have a Hitler uh, skit coming up, so I always try to find some positivity and joy somewhere because life is full of tragedy. So I just try to find the positive silver or golden lining. So, maybe, power. so maybe you're going to be Jen Silver Lining uh, Elise Felding from now on. The good in life, so you know it's not insensitive. I'm actually trying to celebrate life every day, and I think we should all celebrate. So levity is good for us, and it's good for our serotonin levels. Well, yes, I've always mentioned I've mentioned this a couple of times during the show that um, I always felt that you have no malice when you're making light of the situation. So that's important. That was one show, one show I did have malice. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. Out <laughs> myself, but you know what? You're right. There's there's probably some malice somewhere because I do have malice for people who steal and hurt other people. I'm kind of like a Dexter, you know. Okay. But, uh, there's no malice. No, it's, it's it's all it's all good and fun. I just want everyone to laugh and feel good. So that's where all this comes from. For anyone who cares. So moving on for more, more, even more sad news. Actor and film producer Stuart Cornfield also died recently from cancer. Uh, Stuart had a hand in producing such films as Starsky and Hutch, Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, Tenacious D and The Pick of Destiny, Zoolander, Blades of Glory, The Ruins, I remember that movie, uh, Tropic Thunder, Megamind, and he was executive producer, and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Zoolander Part 2, and The Polka King, just to name a few. Uh, of note, the appearance and personality of, Len, of Les Grossman, the producer played by Tom Cruise in the movie Tropic Thunder, is reportedly based on Stewart himself. Did you see uh, Tropic Thunder? Oh, I was actually just quoting it. You know, it's funny. I was quoting it over and over the other day. I wonder if it was the day he died, because I couldn't get out of my head. There was a line, and there's a line in Tropic Thunder that kept on going through my head while we were filming. I'll, I'll get back to that. I'll come back to that. You see, that goes back to what we were talking about before, that, the, that you're, you're in tune with the news. <laughs> Honestly, that's very weird that I kept on thinking of Tropic Thunder, I think Saturday and Sunday, and I kept on saying lines from it. Wow, that's weird. So he was a young 67. Not even that's close true. to the peak. He was... Someone's going to have to do Zoolander 3. That's really sad. Um, speaking, speaking of sad, more, 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 more sad news. Screenwriter and voice, screenwriter, voice actor, and film director Kelly Adam Asbury also died recently from abdominal cancer. Uh, Kelly, Kelly directed such animated films as Ugly Dolls, Smurf the Lost Village, I believe that was the second one, and he also played a voice of nosy Smurf in that, uh, Nomeo and Juliet, which he also wrote the story, screenplay, and provided a voice of Red Goon Gnomes, Shrek Part 2, and Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, just to name a few. Um, of note, Kelly was the character designer and storyboard artist of the film The Rescuers Down Under, which was a sequel to The Rescuers back in the 80s, I believe. Maybe it was late 80s, early 90s. 
Um, Down under. That sounds like divorce lawyer work. <laughs> it was uh, actually it was the only one of the few Disney movies as a kid because I was very anti Disney. I still am. But it was one of the ones that I never got to see was Rescuers and the sequel. So maybe we'll get around to watching that one day. But yeah, that's, that's also sad. And he was younger. He was a, a spry 60. You know what? To date of death. I'm sorry. I'm going back to Stuart Kornfeld right here. I just looked up the date of death. It says June 26th. And that was the day. And the two days later, I kept on quoting Tropic Thunder and saying Jack Tai. That's what it, that's the line. Jack Tai. Jack Tai. I couldn't <laughs> stop saying it. So weird. See? You are in tune. You are in tune. I am. I am. It's weird. I got stories like this. This is really weird. Okay. You know what you should do? You should try to predict what the news is going to be for next week. Okay, we could try that. You send me send me an email. I think this we're gonna be. This is just say, hey, I've been talking about this. One of those things. All right, deal. So now moving on to the final final bit of sad news for this week. Um, legendary comedian, actor, director, screenwriter, producer, writer Carl Reiner also died recently. As of this recording, no cause have, of death has been released. Uh, Carl had a hand in creating and or starring in such films as Gijigo's Hawaiian. It's a mad, 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 mad world. I love that movie. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Um, oh God, The Jerk, The History of the World Part 1, Dead Man Won't Wear Plaid, Summer School, Fatal Instinct, The Man with Two Brains, All of Me, Sibling Rivalry, The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, The New Ocean's Eleven and its two sequels, and Toy Story 4, Part 4, just to name a few. On the small screen, Carl had a hand slash appeared in such shows as his show of shows, The Dick Van Dyke Show, which he also created, The 2,000-Year-Old Man, Mad About You, The Larry Sanders Show, The Bernie Mac Show, Life with Bonnie, Followed, uh, Father of the Pride, Two and a Half Men, Hot in Cleveland, The Cleveland Show, no relation, Jake and the Neverland Pirates as an animated voice character, Family Guy, Good Heavens, The Dinah Shore Chevy Show, The New Dick Van Dyke Show, and lots of luck, just to name a few. Um, of note, in the 1960s, Carl received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and was elected into the Television Hall of Fame, received the Mark Twain Prize Award for American Humor at the Kennedy Center, and is the father of actor-slash-director Rob Reiner and was also one half of a comedy duo with Mel Brooks. I mean, if you've been alive, you have seen or have been aware of Carl's work. Yes, a two thousand year old man. That alone made him legendary. And, and for anyone who's listening to this, if you have not listened to the two thousand year old man, must comedy must. So I, w I would say that basically he was one of the, uh, the 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 forefathers of television and entertainment as we know it today. He was he was on the foundation of all that stuff. He was there before and when television came into play. Definitely, two thousand year old man and Larry Sanders shows are uh, two groundbreaking things right there. And, and for sure. And what what I find most interesting is that he's one of those guys that nobody can say a, a, a bad thing about. It's just one of those just old dudes who's been around forever. Well, he was around forever, and people loved him, and he was funny, and he, and he was always sharp. So even at his older ages. He was still sharp and quick. It was just one of those things. He's like he was like the male Betty White, you know, like like one of those type of iconic people. Well, there's always 
someone that has something bad to say about everyone, so let's find them. Well, maybe he outlived them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find them. Thank you. Um, so he was a, uh, uh, a spry. I can't even say spry. He was 98. Like, he was almost at 100, triple digits. Like, he was all the way up there. Yeah, he stayed too long. <laughs> he stayed too long. Five years, five years past his peak. Bravo to him for sticking around. Uh, so moving on to more not as sad news. From the, I guess the show mustn't go on department. Due to the current pandemic, which we are still in the midst of, Broadway has announced that they will remain dark for the rest of the year. So 2020, no more shows um, for the rest of the year on Broadway, with no clear date of when shows will be able to return to the stage. For those of you who have not been paying attention, this right here now, we are living in history of the longest period of time that theaters have been closed since ever. You're an actress. Uh, that, that's, that must be some, uh, some hard times right there. I mean, I like film because I like to do things once. I don't like to repeat myself, so that's why I don't do theater because they have to repeat. It's like dealing with people who have dementia or people who don't listen, or otherwise known as assholes, which is not a bad word. <laughs> so to me... It, Broadway and theater is just like dealing with a bunch of assholes. What did you say? Let's do the show again at eight. Let's do the show again tomorrow. I like to do things once, and that's why I like film. One and done. All right. I'm not affected, but I do feel a lot of empathy for everyone uh, involved in Broadway, and I have so much respect for the other actors because it's so much more difficult than film. I would say like ten times more difficult. Well, at least with uh, Broadway, if you mess up, you get you get to come back and try again tomorrow. <laughs> That's true. Or you can just do another take. <laughs> well, you can't do another take in a Broadway show. It's, it's You just have to keep on going. Just well, Film, I mean. Oh, right. You say, oh, that sucked. Let's do it again. Let's reshoot it, which happens all the time. So executives say <clears throat> the Broadway experience can be deeply personal, but it is also crucially communal. Every single member of our community is eager to get back to work, sharing stories that inspire our audience through the transformative power of just shared live experience. The safety of our cast, crew, orchestra, and the audience is our highest priority, and we will look forward to returning to our stages only when it is safe to do so. We are working closely with theater unions and some of the greatest minds inside and outside of the industry to explore protocols for all aspects of reopening. We are focused on identifying and implementing necessary measures that will, em and will enable us to resume performances safely for our Broadway audience and employees. We are determined to bring back the people who rely on this industry to their livelihood and to welcome back all those who love the vital part of New York, I heart New York, as soon as it is safe to do so. So I, I like that they're like, we're not going to come back until we are completely 100% ready to go. They're not like the movie theaters where it's like, well, we're going to have 30% capacity and this and that, social distancing. No, we're going to wait until we're right and we're going to do it right the one time. I don't know. This sounds like a lot of BS. Every single <laughs> member of our community is eager to get back to work. You don't think there's one slacker in there that's like, thank God there's been that. I'm so sick of doing this scene every single Monday night. I don't want to go back ever. Whoever speaks for all these people obviously doesn't, is not in touch with the community because there's got to be at least one, if not dozens, who don't want to go back. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Every single member of the community is eager about it. I'm not that eager to get back to work. I'm very, I'm very mixed about the situation. Part of me never wants to work again. Just give me my thousand dollar a month, Andrew. Again, you know. Oh man! All right. Um, moving. 
Speaking, speaking of never working again, moving on for the porn stars or people to department. Recently, 67, 67 year old adult film star Ron Jeremy has been charged with multiple counts of sexual assault from incidences that happened over the course of the past six years. Prosecutor says that Ron forced himself on a 25 year old woman at home and sexually assaulted two women on separate occasions at a bar in 2017 and another woman at the same bar in 2019. Uh, Ron's manager, Dante Roboy, Rusilo Eletti, I'm <laughs> sorry, Ron, uh, sorry, Ron and Dante, uh, says, <clears throat> we hope that these allegations against Ron are not true, but if they are, we hope that he is prosecuted. And then he uh, announced that he dropped Ron as a client. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, Ron Jeremy, who has sex like a bazillion times, still needs to have sex. <laughs> Allegedly. Unless this is an Aziz Ansari case where the women just decided and now they're suing or pressing charges. I, I don't know. I, I don't know insider information, but... Uh, let's let's go to the bail. What's the bail? Six point six million dollar bail he has. Yes. So prosecutors are recommending a six point six million dollar bail, and if convicted, Ron faces a possible maximum sentence of ninety years to life in state prison, where you know right, there'll well, be lots of a uh, lots of sex going on over there too. <laughs> I do have a solution for the poor and a lot of the small businesses that have lost out during this pandemic. Instead of putting him in jail, if if he's guilty, which I don't know. Give all of his riches to the poor, and you know, turn it into like a Bernie Sanders situation. And Jeremy saves New York, saves the poor people in New York. How about that? Or another state? Because I don't heart New York, so I don't care if it's in New York or not. Well, that 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 is something that that people should think about. Not you know, kind of on a tangent, but yeah. Give out the money. That is a good idea. That way, you know, no jail. Just right. you're you're poor now. Exactly. Huh. Maybe house arrest. Maybe house arrest. Never. I don't know. I like that. Huh. So moving on from the 20 Years a Sequel department. The stop motion animated film Chicken Run is getting a sequel and will be distributed by Netflix. Executives say <clears throat> fans around the world have waited patiently for a sequel ideal worthy of Chicken Run. So we're delighted to announce on the 20th anniversary that we found the perfect story. Netflix feels like the ideal creative partner for this project too. There's, they celebrate the filmmaker, which means that we can make the film we want to make, the only one we really care about, and share it with a global audience. Uh, the film picks up uh, on the story of the chickens who pulled off an escape from Tweety's farm in the original film, where Ginger has finally found her dream, a peaceful island sanctuary for the whole flock, far from the dangers of the human world. And when she and Rocky hatch a little girl called Molly, Ginger's happy, endearing ending seems complete. But back on the mainland, the whole of the chicken kind faces a new and terrible threat for Ginger and her team, it, it, even if it means putting their own hard work and freedoms at risk. This time they're breaking in. Did you see the original Chicken Run? I did not. Oh, I, that movie was great. Uh, it's it's actually, um, what is it, the uh, original film grossed nearly $225 million at the worldwide box office and it remains the top grossing stop motion animated film of all time. Oh, that's a lot of chicken nugget money. 
uh, no word if the original cast were reprised their roles, but um, I, I working at Blockbuster at the time, that movie was just all over the place. And it was actually a very entertaining and funny movie. And there was one line from that movie that I, I, I quote quite often. So it's, it's about that chickens can't fly and they're trying to escape the chicken hoop and they run into a guy who's kind of a shysty making the, the flock believe that they can fly to escape the farm, which they can't. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very cute romantic movie. It's very humorous, a little drama. It's very good. You should actually check it out. But uh, my favorite line for that movie is that, um, if I remember correctly, one of them was being catapulted or thrown in the air to try to fly. And she says, and she, you know, she hits uh, whatever, and she says, Wow, my life flashed before my eyes. It was quite boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's what I don't want to say. <laughs> So, so yeah, it's, it's it's actually cool. I don't know about waiting 20 years for a sequel. I don't know about that. But they should just make it and just let it go. Do you think it's anything to do with pushing a vegan agenda? I don't know. They, I mean, they say they're making a movie that they want to make, so maybe they felt that the money is right. Netflix gave them a big bag of money. You go make your movie, and we'll make it. Like... That's actually one thing if you think about it. If you make a movie that's really great, you're happy with it, and you know, people are like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel it. But if somebody came up to you after making a great product and said, here's a big bag of money and you do whatever you want, that's a good uh, motivation to make a sequel. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I did have about 15 fake chicken nuggets last night, so we can say this is another synchronicity. I couldn't stop eating them. What's a fake chicken nugget? Aren't all chicken nuggets fake chicken nuggets? There's a brand, corn, and there's another brand, so good. It's probably just a bunch of synthetic nonsense, but so delicious. Mm, so good. All right, so moving on from the Let's Wait Seven Years department. Archangel Films has released the official trailer for their quote-unquote newest film, Unbelievable, which is described as <clears throat> three astronauts along with their fearless leader, puppet companion Captain Kirk, Travel to the moon on a mission to determine the fate of two aeronautical space systems, comrades who have not been heard from in several days. The individuals they find at the lunar base are not whom they appear to be, and through acts of trickery and deception, nearly succeed in killing them. The four return to find that everyone on the planet has been transformed into exotic plant life. These killer plant aliens have conquered Earth and now seek to destroy the last remnants of humanity. The astronauts fight back and soon discover how to rid themselves of the killer alien threat. Um, I stress newest because apparently this movie was filmed seven years ago and is only now finding a distributor. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of the producers I work with. They just take, you know, about a decade or two and they wait until I'm a born-again Christian again to come out with the movies. <laughs> A born-again uh, filmmaker. Well, I'll be a born-again Christian by the time these movies come out, because you just never know what's going to happen. So much time is going to pass. Um, what makes this movie so interesting is that this is uh, this spoof, obviously, has an all-star sci-fi cast, along with, as I mentioned, a puppet, Captain Kirk, in the movie as a role, and none other than Snoop Dogg as the main villain. Snoop <laughs> Um, in addition to Snoop Dogg, uh, cast highlights are Garrett Wang, Chase Masterson, Tim Russ, Nichelle Nichols, Robert Picardo, Rob Michael Madison, Robert Davi, Marina Sirtis, Michael Dorn, Nana Visitor, Walter Koning, Linda Park, Dina Myers, Hot Dina Myers, Olivia Diablo, Armin Sherman, Jeffrey Coombs, John Billingsley, Dominic Keating, uh, Christopher Duhan, which is uh, Scotty, James Duhan's son, and Barbara Luna, just to name a few. 
Um, I think anybody who loves sci-fi and parody and, and spoof films should just go look at www.archangelfilmsllcia.com and just watch the trailer and you're like, what the hell is this? I'm very curious to see the film. I'm curious too. <laughs> very creative plot line. Um, moving on from the art, from the life is now art department. <sighs> Japanese scientist Hiroshi Ishiguro and Kohi Ogawa, I think I pronounced that right, have created an AI robot named Erica who is going to star in a feature-length film about a scientist who discovers dangers associated with a program he created to perfect human DNA. Inevitably, things go wrong, and his creation, Erica, is forced to flee the lab with his help. So it's a movie with an artificial robot intelligence starring in a movie about artificial robot intelligence. Yeah, this reminds me of a half-Japanese guy he used to see. He thought I was a robot. He just you know, thought he could tell me exactly what to do as if I was an AI robot. Same thing. So oh. according to scientists, Erica has been quote-unquote taught how to act by applying the principles of method acting to her artificial intelligence. So she downloaded how to act. That's, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, the film is, shoot, is, film is shooting right now because a lot of it is with the robot. Uh, it's $70 million budget. It's set to finish production sometime this year. No word on when the release date will be. But I, I don't know what to say. Like, the main lead... And how is this robot going to learn her lines? It's, it's downloaded. So they, they, I guess they program, they teach her how to act, and then they teach her the lines to say. Well, she doesn't have to break for lunch, so that's good. <laughs> that's, they just, that's true. She's not going to complain on set, and she's probably not going to have any requests like me and try to get out of every single kiss scene, because I try to do that. <laughs> you know, that, it actually reminds, you mentioned kiss scenes. It reminds me of the guy who built that hot Scarlett Johansson robot. Do you remember that? Are you aware of that? No. Okay, so a couple of years ago, this dude who made a robot, who made a, made a girlfriend to look like hot Charlotte Johansson. Yeah. With like her face and, you know, whatever. And it's, it's an artificial robot, so he's his girlfriend in Japan. Wow, well, good for him. <laughs> you, yeah. look up, you look up Scarlett Johansson robot and you'll, you'll, you'll see it. Life's all about finding solutions, so hopefully this made this guy happy. And hopefully she has a great personality, because, you know, that's important to men, too. Yes, the great personality, yes. Um, so we have the last bit of news. You know, there's more news here, which we're going to keep on pushing back to next week. Um, last bit of news for this week. From the not-so-fast department. Due to the ongoing pandemic, AMC Theatres, the world's largest movie theater chain, has announced that it will delay reopening of its theaters two weeks from its initial July 15th reopening date. This comes after a recent spike in a number of confirmed coronavirus cases across the United States. Executives say, <clears throat> We continue to devote extraordinary measures in our plan to operate our theaters with hyper-commitment to the safety and health of our guests and associates. Um, as of this recording date, AMC says it plans to firmly, uh, to plans to fully be operational by August of 2020. So is that when the vaccine's coming out? Because what's really going to change between now and August? Someone tell me. Um, 
I guess eventually we're going to hit a point of saturation where everybody would have gotten the virus. So then nobody else can get the virus. Isn't that how it works? Like you get the antibodies and you can't get sick again? Or maybe that's not how it works. I don't know. Yeah, if we can achieve immunity, which people still are not sure of if you can get immunity or not, or if you can keep getting it again and keep deteriorating. I'm not sure. But I don't I don't know, like I mean so this is this is as I was mentioning earlier, it's the antithesis antithesis of the Broadway. Because the movie theater is like, yeah, we need to make money. We need to get people in those seats. And, and, and realistically, at working at a movie theater, you know, a lot of times the movie theaters are not packed. They are very sparsely attended. Um, and once again, as I mentioned, working at a movie theater, the, they don't make their money on the movies anyway. They make their money on the food. Well, here's an idea. Why don't they just turn into restaurants or just start selling Mike and Ike's instead of the movies? Since it's all about the food anyway, why don't you just nick the movie and just start, you know, sitting outside and selling candy. Make them candy confession stands. Because the prices are exorbitant. Well, how about they just do a little dance for everyone? Do a little dance, make a little love, buy some candy tonight, you know? I mean, we, we actually talked about how to, how to save quote unquote save the movie theater industry by making what was it, uh was it weed? Weed and drive through, right? What was what we said? Oh, okay, that's one. Or money laundering. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I forgot about your money your money laundering movie theaters. I just have it as a front for another business, I'm sure it's happening. <laughs> well yeah, so well actually now that you now that you bring that up, you reminded me of that. You can combine the two and have a drug front <laughs> Right. We all the rage now. There was new news that came out. Epstein today is the girlfriend. Uh, since human trafficking is trending, we can do that. Human trafficking. <laughs> the theaters are a front for that. How how would that work? You would you would go to the drive through and then they would take you out of your car. Yeah, I like that. You know, <laughs> just drive through, wham bam, pick up a child under seventeen, preferably. So those are the ones who can't get the weed. So they have to give the weed to the parents. Well, the thing is, weed's becoming more legal, so we need something more hot right now. And human trafficking is very hot. The Epstein documentary is killing it. No, what I'm saying is that they they get high, so they don't notice that their kids are being taken. Oh, okay. All right. That works. So you can have the drive-in movie theater experience. They, they, They sell the weed. To get the, to make the food money, they're money laundering the money that's coming in. They're they're taking the kids. Or perhaps alcohol would be better because with weed, they might be too hyper aware and too paranoid of their kids being taken from them. So you're you're too aware, perhaps, with weed. So alcohol and opiates would be better. <laughs> Look at people listening to us and writing, taking notes down. Sorry. Okay. Next. We 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 oh, gotta. Totally, just a joke. Just joking. We, we totally spelled it out for him. This is what well, we heard it from these guys. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we have good ideas. What can we say? Um, but on on a serious note, um, it's it's weird how I, I I mentioned this before. How just because the movie theaters are allowed to open doesn't mean you have to go. Just because these places are open doesn't mean you have to go. No, you have to go. <laughs> Every single movie, every single movie, every single day, all day, as soon as they open. It, it makes me, you know, this, this now would be the perfect excuse to put out any movie that you were worried about not making any money so you can blame on the pandemic. Mm, 
as opposed as opposed to any other reason, right? True. True. Yeah, that is that is true. If you're nervous, I like that. That's a great idea. I don't think like that, so that's great because I don't care. I don't care what the reviews are for any film woman. I mean, obviously the goal is to make as much money as possible, but in today's, as you were mentioning, cancel culture, there are a lot of films that right. people are very worried about, and you know, people might lose their jobs because of which. So sneaking it in there while the movies, well, the movie theaters are at half capacity or whatever, you're like, well, you know, we did the best we could, but. You know, there you go. Or you're going to wait another, what, seven years? That's an excellent idea. Just put all the cancel culture movies in right now. That's great. And for all the people who have their egos, you know, they're so worried about not having enough views and ticket sales, have them put the movies in now. That's great. And of course, as, as, a, as a side note, I don't think I've mentioned this on the news, but it was in passing that, you know, there are still some movie theaters that are still open right now. And there are movies being shown, so box office, you know, records are still being put out there every week. And, you know, some movies only make $1,000, and that's the number one movie in the entire United States. So right now, for you independent guys, this is your chance to be the number one movie in America. <laughs> All right, good suggestions. And you can claim it as, as is. Like, you, if you can sell out one theater, one, just one theater in the entire United States, you might actually beat the record. Seven people went. <laughs> and, you know, the way the ticket prices are, you don't need that many people to, to get the number one movie across America right now. Right. <sighs> so, very yes. Very good, Mark. You should be a businessman instead of a radio guy. Man, that's, that's a whole other story. But since I do run my own company, just not very well, I am a businessman, just not a very good one. <laughs> So that's it for the news. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we take our break? The usual, you know, have some garlic once or twice a week to get to clean the blood, and it's antiviral, antibacterial, so that's great. And be sure to water pick and floss for so, my sake, not yours. <laughs> so actually, since I, uh, I'll use my final thought as a question for you. So, do you like eat garlic whole, or do you just mix it in with your other foods? Oh, I got lots of those. I grow it. So I take the garlic sprouts and I chop it up into salads or I chop it up into spaghetti squash or uh, any type of stir fry. And then if I don't have the sprouts, I have the bulbs, um, then I'll mince it and put it in spaghetti squash. Usually spaghetti squash is a thing or a zucchini pasta. Okay, so so don't eat it directly. That's what my question was. You can burn your esophagus. It's very it's it's very strong and you can get polyps in your esophagus. Alright, so don't don't eat that, no polyps for you. <laughs> no. Unless it's garlic sprouts. Garlic sprouts you can eat plain. Okay. So and that's I'll give you some. If you know me I'll give you some. I got lots. <laughs> well that's why you gotta go on the Patreon and for fifteen thousand dollars you get your garlic sprouts. <laughs> yes, yeah, fair. <laughs> So that's it for the news. We will take our break and we'll be right back with It Came From the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hi, this is Mary Wilson of the Supremes, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. 
Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin is the place to go for all your comics and gaming needs. We are now offering in-store pickup because new comics are back. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from 11 to 8, Thursday from noon to 5, Friday from 2 to 8, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, or independent comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for details. You can also contact us through our Facebook page. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Burden Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, I'm very excited about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It happened to be one of my favorite movies as a kid growing up. And um, as, a, as a kid, I used to like call out of school every once in a while. I think the most I had uh, left school, or did not go to school, was about 17 days. So it was awesome to see that this kid was on his path towards that. <laughs> Ferris was an amazing movie. Um, what did you think of it? I thought it was really good. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's the way he is able to pull off everything, like become the sausage king. Well, not actually, like fake that he was. Or like go onto the float and start singing was amazing. During the parade, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a great film to watch about three kids having an amazing adventure and knowing that they could get in trouble any minute, right? Yeah. And I can't believe he was able to pull it off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was able to do everything he wanted to do, you know? He had um, all the angles um, thought out, right? Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, Yeah, which is crazy. It's a look. It's a classic John Hughes film, which is about teenagers and how they try to like you know, just their lives, their personal lives, and even though this is very like surreal and kind of a little wacky, it was a funny movie. Yeah, it really was. You know, I never when I was a kid. You know, I went to the see it in the theater, and my cousins took me there, and I didn't even know what it was about. They're like, "We're gonna go see Ferris Bueller." I'm like, "All right, whatever," and then. At the end of it, I was like, this is the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was so much fun. And, um, who was your favorite character? Hmm, that's hard. I love Ferris, but I also liked Cameron. Like, you liked Cameron? Yeah, he was good. He was so depressing. I, yeah, but still, he was, I felt bad for him. Yeah, he had depth though, right? Yeah. yeah but Ferris Bueller was, if you're, we're talking like, who you like the best because of, like, their spirit. Like, I'd say Ferris because he was just so fun. Or the sister. What's the sister's name? Jean. Jean, Jean, yeah. Yeah. She was fun also. (laughs) Yeah, she was really funny. She was, like, angry the whole time. It was was just ridiculous, right? (laughs) Yeah. But um, we got to see this, what, outside, right? I set up a projector. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. We got to roast marshmallows, and we actually did it for my birthday. That's right. Which was fun. And, yeah, we watched it outside. I brought, I had two friends over, and we had cake and stuff. Then we roasted marshmallows and watched the movie. We watched Ferris Bueller. You set yeah. set up a projector with the computer and put it out on the, on the fence, on our PVC fence, and we stayed yeah. outside and we watched it, right? Yeah, it was really fun. Yes, I would recommend um, an outdoor movie night if possible. 
<laughs> to try and do. Um, They're really fun. Like, have a few people over and just, like, watch a movie. It'll be awesome. Yeah. The only downside is that you had to wait till, like, 9 o'clock. Yeah, because it it'll be dark. It's not dark. But as time goes on, we'll probably figure... Um, I would say in this, I think in August, well, it starts to get um, darker sooner. So maybe we'll be able to have a few more movie nights earlier. And um, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. You know, although it's really hot out. So I, I don't know. Maybe we got to get like a misting machine or something. Yeah, we got to have an outside air conditioner. <laughs> need a little spritz of uh, cool air once in a while, right? Yep. That's so funny. But yeah, so you enjoyed the movie. What was one of your favorite parts? Hmm, that's hard. I think when the mom came into the room and Ferris Bueller, like, had set up this, like, mannequin yeah. thing, and when she opened the door, it was, like, it started, she had that fake snoring sound on. Right, on his radio. Yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know how the mom actually bought that. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it's the called... mannequin was a whole different skin color. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't see that. She only saw the um, the blanket. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. it's suspension of disbelief. It's basically you have to kind of not really uh, care about that part. You know? You know? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like it's unreal, but it's so much fun, you know? Yeah. Um, I liked when, we, when he was running home. Oh, I think, you know, that yeah. was fun. <laughs> I like that part. But anyway, so we digress. Um Enjoy the movie if you get a chance to see it, if you haven't. Or watch it again because it's amazing. Anyway. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Goodbye. Hey, this is Brimstone. And this is Kim Adragna. And this is Zambo. And we're from the Grindhouse Radio, and uh, we just won the 2017 Best Radio Station on Long Island. Right now, you're listening to the other guys. It came from the radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on breads, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631 606 8166. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for my comic book pick of the week. This week's pick of the week is The Sword, Volume 1, Fire by the Lunar Brothers. It's a really interesting book a unique book a interesting take on greek mythology to some degree but it's not really based in greek mythology it's more of a historical fantasy point of view let me read from you uh what wikipedia says about it It might clarify it the Sword is a monthly comic book limited series created by the Luna Brothers and published by American company Image Comics. The first issue was released in October 2007, and the series concluded in May 2010, with a giant-sized 24th issue. It is a fantasy story set in modern day about a young woman named Dara Brighton seeking revenge on a trio of siblings with unique abilities. 
Dara's conflict with siblings revolves around and is aided by an unusual sword. Dara Brighton is a young paraplegic college student with a happy, normal life until three strangers knock on her family's door, demanding a particular sword. After the assassination of her father, mother, and sister, Dara is left in the burning house and crashes into the basement, where she finds the sword, giving her incredible powers and setting her off on an incredible search for vengeance. The stories explore the history of the three unusual siblings Dara is chasing, as well as Dara's own story, own history with her family and how she draws strength from those bonds and experiences. Also explored within the story is the broader impact incredible events can have in an otherwise normal world. Dara finds out through a classmate that her father was an immortal warrior who used the sword to confront each of the f of four siblings. He murdered one ages before and attempted to keep the other three in line. Dara vows to destroy them all and discovers the sword grants her fast healing, provided she can match up her dismembered limbs before skin covers any stumps and enhanced strength, allowing for tremendous leaps. Now, there's more that I could tell you, but in the words of River Song... Spoilers. I found several things interesting about this book uh, and its subsequent other volumes. There's four volumes specifically, Fire, Water, Earth, Air. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Captain Planet. Fire! Wind! Water! However, instead of it being, you know, your forces combined to create a superhero, each one of these siblings has this has an elemental power to it. Fire, water, earth, wind. Um, what was interesting to me is how it did take place, I believe, originally in ancient Crete. And how it would look at different ancient civilizations over time and how each of these four siblings would attempt to want to have god-like stature amongst mortals. And here you would have Dara's father going and keeping them all in check throughout the centuries. It's also kind of interesting because magical swords pop up so much in so many different mythologies as well as in different kinds of media. Saturday morning cartoons, for instance, you know, with like He-Man. And the masters of the universe! I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! Or the Thundercats. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight! You see this classically in Star Wars, of course. What is it? Your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. And of course it goes deep into English mythology. Story describes a gleaming sword thrust into a huge stone and only the rightful King of Britain could pull it out. The fiercest warlords and the strongest soldiers tried in vain to free the blade. But then, young Arthur stepped forward. But don't forget what we learned, of course, from Monty Python. Listen, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. 
so anyway, my point being is that the sword, a sword, giving mythical supernatural powers is something that you see a lot in many different stories, and I found it very interesting, and that's what made me pick up this book many years ago. It didn't disappoint me. I found it really, really cool, um, and I really can recommend it. It's definitely not a kid's book, even though the art in it is clean and smooth and beautiful, um, and not particularly dark or gritty or graphic, but it's gory. There's a lot of there's a lot of obvious um, head chopping and and dismembering and cutting in in these books, but still a very good read, and I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. Uh, if you are interested in getting the book, you can of course always go to Amazon, where it's where pretty much everything is available. Comicsology, uh, read comics online, comics fandom. These are all places where the book is available. Um, so there you have it, this week's pick of the week, The Sword. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can become a Patreon of the comic. It's only $1 a month. It's the least expensive Patreon out there. I promise you that. Also, please go and check out prontocomics.com. We have plenty of comics for download. And always remember... Logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So be safe and be healthy. Take care. Hi, this is Sue Lee from Face Off Season 2. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call. Call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you missed any part of this show, Stop. go to our website, www.itcamefromtheradio.com. Listen to your archives. will be up any week or so. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, check us out on Beyond the Dawn Studios, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. <laughs>